welcome to the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. Hi, hi. Welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited because I'm sitting here with guests. I get very excited when I have guests. I have two guests. It's men. I'm, it's raining men. And I have a large one and a small one right here. I have Roy and Gustavo, my dog, sitting here. And today is going to be awesome. I've been wanting to do this podcast for a while. And then recent um, lovely inspiring moments um, encouraged me to just sit down and do this because it's just um, going to be amazing. So first of all, a little background. Many of you have been listening to my podcast for all of, for all of the times, all the ways, all the days, every episode. And you have heard my ups and downs. When I started doing this podcast, I was in Minnesota and I was dating Randy. And then I wasn't dating Randy. You guys have heard Randy on the podcast. Um, and then I moved to Miami and I started dating and I did a spinoff series called Destination Date because I was having such ridiculously funny experiences dating here in Miami. Um, and so, and no sour grapes, it just became funny. And so, um, destination date, the those episodes were my most popular aside from my 75 hard episodes. Um, but all of a sudden the destination date podcast episodes stopped because of meeting the person who doesn't deserve a destination date episode. He deserves a real destination begin episode. So I met Roy back in April. I was needing a date for the podcast. (laughs) I needed to go on a date in general. I was dating just because I figured Mr. Wright wasn't going to just show up one day out of nowhere and knock on my door and say, hi, I'm your person. I needed to actually get out there and date, which was really hard because dating is Dating is just difficult, and I found it very challenging to keep the right mindset. But when I shifted into, I'm just going to go on lots of dates and meet people and have fun with it and not take it so seriously, it became more fun. I got really great podcast material, and then ultimately I met Mr. Roy. So um, I matched with him on Bumble. So if you know anything about Bumble, you open the dating app, you swipe through and look at people's profiles and you swipe them to the left until you find someone that you want to actually connect with. You swipe to the right. So I had some rules. They needed to have a good first picture. They needed to have a good description. They needed to have a good additional pictures that didn't include a car or a fish. And then they needed to match on lots of, you know, our, our core things. So it would take me a long time to swipe through. But on this particular day, I saw a picture of a guy who was doing a jump for joy with his back to the camera over the ocean. Now, if you follow me on social media or you know anything about me at all, for a long time, everywhere I went, I would take a jump for joy picture just like that and post it. So traveling and epic places and with people, jump for joy was my signature. So I saw it and I was like, ooh, I like that. So I tapped on it and there was no detail, nothing. Uh, which broke my rule, but I was intrigued and I looked further and I saw his pictures and I was like, oh, he's hot. And indeed, I was very attracted. So I swiped right. And then it was a match. He had already swiped 
on me. So we started chatting and unlike most of the Neanderthals on online dating, he actually wanted to meet and he actually wanted to talk. And so following my rules, I set up a coffee date. I had rules. I only meet for coffee and only very close to my house so that if it's a complete waste of time, like Archie Bunker, um, like some of the other dates I talked about on the podcast, it was just a little bit of time. So met him in Miami, downtown Lincoln Road Mall, immediately attracted, immediately excited because he was tall. In fact, I think I said, oh my gosh, you're tall like a billion times on our first date. And um, we hit it off Im- immediately. We had a wonderful coffee date. Um, didn't want to say goodbye. So we had dinner, canceled my next client. Thank you, Cheryl. Cheryl did me a solid. Ended up spending the rest of the day with him. He was just visiting from San Francisco and we just had the best time. And he showed me his heart at dinner like immediately. And I was just completely smitten with how beautiful his heart and soul was. And um, so that was in April. There's never been another episode of Destination Date because I found uh, this beautiful, amazing soul who was right here. So that's how we met. So um, some of you just wondered about like the name Roy popping up into the podcast and then obviously dating him, but that's the story. He ruined a podcast, ended uh, or could have been like this whole empire. And I don't know, hashtag worth it. So you're going to get to meet Roy here on this episode. So Mr. Roy, would you like to say hello? Hello. Ooh, there you go. There's Roy. Not only is is he tall, he has a lovely deep voice and he's hot. So for those of you who don't know what he looks like, he's, he's smoking hot. So um, he's a little nervous. He's never done a podcast. I also give him copious amounts of grief because um, when he drinks coffee, it's loud. When he drinks water, it's loud. And I'm always telling him to stop just making noise. So he's a little, little nervous, but we'll get it rolling. So I'm going to ask Roy some guided questions, and then he is going to tell you a little bit about how he got to Miami and then the inspiring journey that he's on uh, right now. Right, Roy, I've done a lot of talking now. You get to tell your side of the story about coming to Miami and meeting little old me. Well, let's see. Um, I, I'm from San Francisco. I, my work was slowing down, and I had, um, I had an airline credit that was expiring that I just found out about. forgot that I had it. So I decided to get out of town and go away on the beach for a few days. Booked a flight to Miami, didn't make any plans, didn't figure out a hotel situation, just booked a flight for four days. Um, I came down, and the very first day, um, I matched you on Bumble. He was just coming down here to get some action. I was not. I was literally just coming to clear my head. I I I literally had no intention of uh, of, uh, finding anybody at all. But, you know, you're bored and you're just swiping. And we matched. Um, and you agreed to meet me for coffee. I remember that. And I remember I was really nervous. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I, I just got here and I'm going to meet this random girl for coffee. And did to buy a shirt. <clears throat> yeah, to buy, <laughs> to buy a shirt. Um, so, yeah, so, we, so I met you. And, uh, you know, usually I'm really nervous. I'm, I, just, I don't have a lot of game. I, I'm not good around women. Um, but when I met you, I don't know, you just, you put me at ease and I just, I felt like I've always known you. Like the conversation just flowed. Um, I felt really comfortable around you. I thought you were, I remember I thought you were really beautiful, but 
really uh, approachable. And I like you from the start. Um, and I'm glad we extended our date. Yeah, our date went from like a two hours to, I mean, well, what's the time right now? Yeah. <laughs> so basically, yeah. So we, so a couple My hours. My mom listens. My mom listens. I'm not saying anything. Okay. So, you know, it started out as, as coffee and then dinner. And then, you know, um, I stuck around for, for a few days. We went on more dates. And then um, I had to fly back home because I had a job. Went back home for two weeks for a job. Came right back. Did that a couple times, a few times, and I just, I, you know, I fell in love with, I fell in love with you. I fell in love with this beach, fell in love with this place, and that's that's where my journey began. Yeah, we we had a very long first date. We joke about that our our first date's still going on, because um, he was here visiting, and then we just hit it off so much, and I wanted to show him everything, and I wanted to maximize the time because I didn't really know if he'd ever come back. You know, it's like you it's not a movie. Our lives are not movies. People have real lives and you can't just drop everything and leave and go across the country. And I was always like, I would never have a long distance relationship. It would just be too hard. There's a billion people in the world. Why? But we clicked in it and it worked out. And so here you are. And so what I want to really have all of you people out here to hear is what I get to witness and what people here in Miami are, are witnessing and seeing. And that is this amazing, beautiful story um, in Roy's life. And so I've asked him to share it. So he can share as much or as little as he wants. But I think a good starting point is that first morning here, I was running boot camp and he was sitting on my balcony drinking coffee watching. And uh, Roy was not on, Roy wasn't like fat or out of shape or whatever, but like I would say what I call people skinny fat, like you weren't overweight, but you weren't healthy. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've always been thin, but I was definitely not healthy. Um, I I had love handles for sure. And your lifestyle up until that point was what? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I'd go to work, come home, drink beer, eat frozen meals and fast food and you know, rinse and repeat the next day. That was my life. So I, I, I haven't seen the inside of a gym since I was probably 21. And that was, you know, a brief stint of working out for about a month when I was 21. Just do, you know, not with a trainer or anything. Just like, oh, go to the gym, pick up some weights and try to look like you know what the hell you're, heck you're doing, you know. So, yeah, and I'm 49 now. So, um, but yeah, that first, that first day, I remember that clearly because I remember... You saying goodbye and you go, go into go into boot camp, and I I go and pour myself a cup of coffee and I sit on the balcony. You know I'm still in va- va- vacation mode over here, and I sit down and I look out and then I see you and the boot campers down there doing boot camp and I just felt like such a jerk. <laughs> I just felt like a lump. <laughs> Basically, I'm like, there's no way if if this if this pans out and this girl dates me. Yeah, there's no way I could just, I can't, I can't, I can't do this and not go to boot camp. So I decided the next day to go to boot camp and try it out. Um, and it was really hard to get up that early in the morning for me because I'm not, I'm not a morning person or I wasn't, I am now, but I wasn't then. Um, and I loved it. I, the, I can't, ex- I can't ex- express the, the, the emotion and the feeling that I had on that first day enough, um, Sorry. Uh, it was <laughs> it was magical. It was uh, I, I I did that boot camp, the first boot camp, and everyone. I was nervous to meet people because I'm just you know I've always been kind of a, a recluse a little bit, 
and I have a hard time like meeting people and stuff like that. But people just welcomed me. And the community was just an amazing collective of different souls that were just they lo- everybody loved each other there, just from different walks of life, young, old. Um, and it was amazing, but you know, I, I did that. I did that first boot camp, and it was hard because you know I, I'm out of shape. But at the end, it felt good. And I remember, I remember watching that sunrise. And I remember at the end of that boot camp, I walked out to the edge of that water, and I just sobbed. I lost it. I was just like the weight of all my years just washed off of me, and I just I felt everything. I felt like everything that I've been through, all my pain, all my loss, and I felt it all at the same time. And I felt all that weight that I've been carrying on my shoulders just kind of wash off. That's, I mean, that's the best way I can describe it. And I've, I've had so many moments just like that since then on this journey. But that was the beginning. That was the beginning of it all. Yeah, I remember him telling, you telling me about that and... You know, the power of the sunrise right here is really big because I'm right on the ocean and it's, you know, brand new every day. And in California, people gather to watch the sun sets. And I remember just, I remember specifically the first time I said to you, you just came from a land of sunsets, the end of things. And you just came to a land of sunrises, which is symbolic of new beginnings and fresh starts. And every day is fresh. And it's, you know, it changed my life. It changes a lot of people's lives who come to this specific space. So for me to see that happen in your life and to see it on your face, it was so inspiring. And, you know, not a relationship does that make, but it was this big moment of, you know, this is someone who is, you were so eager and willing to just let yourself be seen, your heart and your soul and your emotions. And that is, that's such a big, important thing for me. I've had relationships with lots of different factors that were important to me. But the one thing that has been missing is the heart that I, that I can feel and see, you know, I've dated people that are disciplined and rigorous and strong and perfectly decent people. But that open heartedness is like, just, it was like water in the desert for me to see Mm. that. And you're tall. I'm tall. (laughs) And I remember we all went to coffee after. And so you met, he met more boot campers and like people are like, Oh, where did you meet? How long have you been dating? I'm like, Oh no, 48 hours. <laughs> here he is. But everyone, you know, everyone here looks out for me. The people are very protective of me. My boot campers, they love me. And, um, they were all very quick to be like, I like this one. I like him so much. I'm like, I like him too. <laughs> <laughs> so that, sorry, this is schmoopy. We're sitting here talking really closely into the microphone and like, it's a, uh, it's a little, little happy gazy love fest. It's, I mean, I'm sorry. It's just what it is. You guys get a front row seat to my life. So here it is. So that's how it started. And then, um, from there, boot camp, obviously boot camp is tough, but I'm a trainer. And so I get up super early to lift. And at first, um, I was like, you know, I get up really early to lift. So if you're here, you know, you don't have to lift with me. You don't have to get up early, but that's what I do. And so Paige would come over, we go lift and, and yeah, I remember, <laughs> I remember that too. I remember in the beginning, you know, I got into boot camp, um, you know, and I, uh, eventually I fell in love with it. It got easier over time. And, uh, I just, you know, I'd be, I'd learn to like look forward to it a lot, but you know, you would, you, the idea of getting up even earlier <laughs> to go lift weights. Yeah. Like being in the gym by five or earlier. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you want me to go do boot camp at six thirty in the morning, 
Not only that, you want me to get up even earlier to go lift weights for at least an hour. Well, I didn't want you to. It was offered to you. But I know. I know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, you mentioned it several times. You're like, you know, you don't have to do this, but this is what I do. You're always welcome to come along. But you, you never pushed it on me. You never uh, so that. But I just remember that the thought of it, like, I'm, I just, like, laughed in my head. I'm like, there's, I'm, there's no way in hell I'm going to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and go lift weights. Like, this is, this is, Matt, this is, um, the work of a magician to get me out here at 6.30 in the morning to do boot camp. <laughs> well, and we started out where I'd say, okay, and then when, you know, he said, I, want, I do want to lift, you know, if you'll train me, I'd like, to, I'd like to learn. I've never lifted. So we did start in the afternoons. Mm. We started lifting. And one thing I loved is, okay, so I'm a trainer and I train mostly, well, I guess a mix of both, but there are a lot of men who have a really hard time lifting with a girl trainer because they don't want to appear weak. So it's important when you first start lifting that you don't start lifting super heavy so that you hurt yourself. And so I was like, listen, you are tall, you're lanky, you've got some mobility issues. You know, if you haven't lifted before and you're 49, your shoulders and stuff are need to have some, um, have some mobility work, you know? And so we're going to have to start you really, really light and it, it might be tough on your ego. And I can't do anything about that. But if you ego lift, you're going to hurt yourself. And I loved how he was like, I don't care about that. I'm like, you know, your girlfriend is training you. And I was training for a bodybuilding show. So I'm like, I can lift heavier than you. And I don't want you to feel stupid. And so I'm happy to just not be here. <laughs> and But he was so, you were so game. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, actually... It all started with with boot camp. Like once I started doing that, and I started seeing that, started getting into it more, um, and and falling in love with it. You know, that was just the spark. That was just the spark where I felt like, wow, look what look what I did. I did boot camp. Um, I'm doing it every day. And okay, so maybe I can lift. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just try it out. I'll just try it out. Okay, I'll go with you. And you were not intimidated by the fact that your girlfriend was. Uh, lifting heavier and making you start with like eight pounders. No, you know, I, I, I had no, I had no expectations of anything. That's, I had no ego when it came to that. You know, at that time I was 48 years old. Um, you know, I hadn't been to a gym ever. So like I had no ego when it came to that. I knew you're a bodybuilder. I didn't, that's, that stuff just didn't bother me. So I wasn't worried about that. I just, I was just happy to try it out and see if I liked it. And you know, that's, that's kind of where it all started. So I trained him a couple times, but then a um, little shameless plug. I just wrote him a, a workout program in my app. And then it just he just did what he was told, which, you know, I would say my clients that have the best success are the ones who simply follow the plan and do what they're told. It's like magic. What? And so people would people started noticing him getting super ripped and all these muscles really quick. Because one thing is like when you haven't worked out your whole life, or if it's been a long time, your body responds quickly. And so people were like, of course, Kristen's making you. I never made him. He makes me sometimes when I'm lazy to go lift. And so, but it was super fun to see your work ethic. And then when we were doing, I had to do incline walks at the time because I was working on my first show. I'd look over on the treadmill and we'd be looking out at the ocean and the sunrise or the sunset. And he would be crying, like shamelessly crying. Yeah, those for those uh man. I remember that I remember that day. It was um, more than one. It was beautiful. I remember that that first one specifically. There was more. It was just about every day in the beginning, but um Yeah, I mean it was just like man, I don't know how to describe it. It was just like on the beach, but it was just like when I'm when I was in there, I don't know, something about 
Something about um, working through stuff while running or lifting or whatever, like, you know, anger came out and pain and, and, um, you know, just my whole life <laughs> was passed through, passed, passed through my mind. Like uh, everything that I've been through, every, all my, every loss I've had, every bit of pain and heartache and every time I let myself down, every, every time someone told me I wasn't good enough, all of that was just coming through with every step, every, every time I lifted away. Like, I don't know, it, it, was, it was like a key. I was unlocking a door every time I did that. And that was a huge part of it. You know, and I do have to admit, like, when I first decided to start going to boot camp and then to, to um, lift away, part of it was the spark of, of, of uh, you know, what I found on the beach. Part of it was just because I wanted to spend more time with you. So, <laughs> so that's so it kind of started there. But then it turned into something. It turned into something that I that I never expected, and, and uh, it was scary at first because it was, you know, unleashing unleashing those feelings and, and stuff that I've been trying to bottle up because I'm just trying to get by in life, and like I just got to keep pushing through, so I got to keep bottling up these feelings. But when you do that stuff, you know, it's it's I don't know what it is, but it releases it releases those feelings, and you know, I was talking to you today about like what motivates me. Um, part of it is the main part of it is fear. Like I'm, I'm, I, I push, I push every day now. Every time it gets hard, I, I have to have conversations. I have to have hard conversations with myself every time I do. Every time I get up there, every time I run, every time I lift. When stuff gets hard, and I want to make excuses why why I should quit, why this is, oh, I don't have to do this, and no one's gonna judge me. What motivates me is is fear. It's fear that that I'm going to go backwards. That I'm going to go back to my old life. I'm going to go back to the way it was. And if I go back, I'm dead in my mind. That's that's how I feel. Like I I can't, I can't go back. Like once I went through that door, I can't go backwards. You know. And uh, that motivates me. And then and then every time I run, every time I lift, I'm running farther and farther away from the pain and the hurt and uh, not loving myself and all of that stuff, you know? And uh, every time I, I, every time I'd have one more mental hurdle of something freaking hard that I push through that I've never would have done in my life, it's so empowering and it's one more layer of armor for the next challenge or the, or the, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have to go through some a lot harder things in my life. I'm going to have to go through losing people, death, a lot of stuff like we all do. And I, and I want to be ready for it. I was, you know, and every time I push through something hard, it's just adding another layer of, of protection and strength. And I don't know, I can't look backwards. That's so inspiring. Uh, and you're absolutely right. There's a, there is a correlation between pushing our body and releasing our emotions. Our soul and our body is they're connected. Our soul lives in our body. And when we push our body, when we fight for one more rep, one more minute, one more breath, and we are willing to use our body as a tool to prove to ourselves that we can do something hard, the connection becomes undeniable. And then the mind-heart connection becomes so intertwined that you no longer can imagine not doing those hard things. So when you are emotional, when you do have hard times, using your body to push through physically is the the tool we can use to push through mentally and emotionally. And seeing that firsthand has been so 
so inspiring to me. And culminating, going backwards a little bit from the now, was our Athens Marathon. So, you know, we were lifting and running and the summer's going by and we started to do, actually backing up more, we decided to do 75 hard. So I did 75 hard three years ago. It was life-changing. And after the summer, after my bodybuilding show, um, after eating and kind of getting back to um, normal life, I was feeling a little undisciplined and lost in, in diet loops. And so I'm going to do 75 hard again. And I, of course, tell everyone around me who wants to do it. And our friend Danny decided to do it. A few other people decided to do it. And Roy said, yeah, I'll do it, but I can't start when you start because I'm going back to San Francisco and I can't possibly start when I'm there because I'm working. And um, so I'm like, okay, whatever, you do you. But but then what happened? Well, at first, uh, first I, uh, the first, the, the idea of 75 hard for me, right away in my brain, was like, no way, there's no way, there's no, that just sounds crazy. So I didn't tell you no, but I said, well, I got to, I got to think about it first, but I, but I might, I might do it. I might do it. I, I got to think about it first though. So, and I was in uh, yeah, I was in San Francisco for work. Um, so then eventually I'm like, yeah, you know what? I, I think I can do this. I think I can do it, but, but yeah, I have to wait. I, I, think, I think I have to wait cause it's just going to be too hard over here. And I'm with my brother, we, you know, watch sports or you drink beer. Yeah. Your brother works at a brewery and yeah, it's 75 brewery, days so, of no yeah. alcohol. So. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, and before you met me, I drank every day. You know, like I would drink three or four beers every single day. That was just my ritual every day. So just the idea of not drink, yeah. So just mentally, huh? In the bathtub. In the bathtub. (laughs) Yeah, I'll never forget the first day I came home from work and I hear something and it's singing, and I'm like, "What's that?" And Roy was full on in a jacuzzi bubble bath in my bathroom with his headphones on, (laughs) singing at the top of his lungs, drinking a beer. And I'm like, what exactly is happening here? Who are you? That's heaven right there. Yeah, I'm a girl and I've never taken a bath in this tub. And (laughs) now it gets a lot of use. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. (laughs) And if you don't know what 75 hard is, you haven't been listening to my podcast. But it's two workouts a day. One is outside. No alcohol, no sweets, no cheat meals, reading 10 pages a day. Drinking a gallon of water every day and taking a progress picture every day. So it's a tough, tough challenge. And you had only been working out for six months by this time. If that. I mean, um, yeah. So, no, I, I had a, I, yeah, so I, I mean, I had a moment with myself there, you know, because, and that was just one of those moments where, you know, your whole life you make excuses. Like, you know, maybe I'll start next week when things are getting a little bit easier, work's too tough right now. It's not, it's not convenient. So, you know, I just had this moment. I'm just like, well, if not now, when like, like you're trying to change your life right now, you know, you've, you're, you're, you're lifting weights. You've been going to boot camp. This is what it's about. You know, if, if you want to make changes in your life, you have to do the hard stuff. And that's one, well, that's why it's called 75 hard. So I had, so I had to make that commitment. You know what? No, screw this. I'm, I, I'm doing this now. But when you make a commitment like that, you, you can't, say, I'm going to try it because there is no trying in something like that. You know, there's, there's just not. So I wasn't going to say I was going to do it unless I was sure. I thought about it in my head, like, okay, well, you have to get up when you have to, you have to get to work, you have to work at eight o'clock in the morning, you have to leave by six thirty sometimes. So that's going to, that's going to mean you're going to have to get up at four thirty in the morning just to get a workout in before you go to work. Like, are you willing to do that? So I had to have that mental discussion in my head before I agreed to do that. So I did. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it, man. I'm gonna do it. So I did it. It was hard. It was really hard. Um, but just one of those things that, man, when you go through something like that, it's it's so empowering. It's so empowering. 
Well, and when I had said I was starting on, I think, Monday, September 19th, and Roy said, well, I'm going to be going in San Francisco that week. I can't do it. I'll start the week after. I was like, that's totally fine. But then on the phone one day, I was like, so why exactly can't you start? I mean, is there a way to do it just so we're on the same day? And um, he's like, yeah, but I got to get up and I got to leave at 630. I'm like, so get up at 430. You know, unfortunately, uh, I've done 75 hard and and um, I was at least going to offer him the idea that he could. And sometimes, especially if you haven't done challenges, you don't even think about how possible it is. It's just a matter of you quickly discount it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he decided to start anyway in San Francisco, something in actually in our relationship changed because up to this point he was training and doing all these things and I, I wasn't forcing him to do any of it, but he was still learning a lot from boot campers, from the lifestyle that he sees here. But when he decided to jump in when it was hard, it, it was like, okay, this isn't just about me or the relationship or a period of time. He really is in this for him. And it was, it was such a, a great, beautiful moment in our relationship. And for me too, because I mean, I don't, I don't drag people by the hair and I definitely, you know, I'm a coach and in a relationship, unfortunately, I still accidentally slip into coach mode when I just need to be the girlfriend. Um, but that would, that meant a lot to me to see that this wasn't about him changing to impress me or anybody else that he was willing to do it. So, um, so 75 hard was, um, it's a great relationship builder and a relationship boot camp <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's busy. You're tired. You're not at your best. You're having to work out outside. You're having to schedule your time. There's not a lot of spare time, but, uh, but it was also fun to do it together. We did a lot of walks together. We spent a lot more time together. It was really, really fun. Yeah. And Danny was doing it with us. And that's how um, the three of us got to be kind of buddies. And I remember there was one morning we decided to all run before boot camp. And so it was dark, but the path out here by the beach is lit up. And, um, you know, Roy has just met all these people that I know very well. And so I kind of curate conversations sometimes. And Danny would, Danny's a talker like me. So we go on these little runs or walks and Roy didn't say a whole lot. And there was this one morning where we started running and I was a little slower and these two guys started talking and I got to observe and listen to this, this conversation between two men sharing their hearts, sharing their feelings, talking about their feelings, talking about their past. I got to hear Roy share a little bit about his life with a, basically a stranger at that time. And it's just another example of how when you're pushing your body, you're spending time with yourself, how you can break through. Um, the habits of being yourself, the old habits, the old, you know, I would maybe never share this with a stranger, but we're on a run. We're bonding through discomfort. <laughs> we're bonding through adversity. And um, I don't know, for me, that was a, just such a powerful moment just as a human being to listen to two men not being afraid to be vulnerable. It was really, really lovely. That, yeah, I remember that moment. And then Danny decided that he wanted to sign up for the Athens Marathon um, he had seen when he was on a trip to Athens, the blocks in the, the arena, the first, second and third blocks from the original Olympics or whatever. He's like, I think I'm going to sign up and do the Athens marathon. And I said, I think you should I think it'd be great. So then the three of us were talking about it. And I remember catching Roy's eye in the other room. It's like, yeah, that would be so cool. Wouldn't that be cool? And, uh, I was like, well, we, we should do it. What do you think? I don't remember how it all came about, but we decided to sign up for a marathon. Once we figured out we had, I think we had 11 weeks at that time or 13 weeks to train. So decided to sign up and went online 
and it was sold out. I was so bummed. It was like, all right, we're not going to be able to do this. So we told Danny, we tried to sign up, it sold out, oh well. And I was like relieved. I did not want to run another marathon, really. I just wanted to do it because he wanted to do it. <laughs> but I was done running marathons. But Danny is very, um, he doesn't take no. So he sent an email. He's like, hey guys, I sent an email and I told them the situation and asked if they let us register. And we're like, yeah, they probably get a billion emails. They don't care about us, whatever. Well, sure enough, like two weeks later, we got a response that we were in. And I was like, crap, now we have to run. And we're, I think we have nine weeks to train (laughs) for a marathon. So you would never run more than a 5K. And then bam, you have nine weeks to train for a marathon. Not only, I I didn't run a 5K. I like lightly jogged and walked most of it, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that was the most I've ever done. So, and that was, I was, that was hard. (laughs) So I'm like, what what am I getting myself into? So we jumped in on it and it was, uh, you know, 75 hard. So two, two workouts a day and then it just became training time. So fast forward, we headed on a plane to Athens Mm. and, uh, showed up to run a marathon. Yeah, I don't, man, I don't know what was, looking back on that experience, I don't know what was more memorable, the actual marathon or the, the training process up to, the, I've, up to that part, the, um, all the memories that I have of training with you and Danny and the bonding and the growth and uh, the tears, all of it was just, man, that's irreplaceable memories. Yeah, I always say like the, that... If you have to fall in love with the process of anything that you do, and if you don't love the process, don't bother doing it because it's true. Like running the marathon, it's it's one, well, it ended up being a long day, but one day, but there was hundreds and hundreds of hours leading up to it of hard work. And if you can't embrace that process, don't do it because the marathon is actually just a victory lap, but the mm. work of a marathon is leading up. You were there when I screamed that I was not a professional racer, <laughs> Sherpa. You should tell that. You should tell your perspective. I talked about it on the podcast. Okay. I was injured and I couldn't run for a while and we had to do our 20 miler. Oh, man. So Danny and Roy decided to run other uh, 20 miler and I said, I'll come on my bike and be race support and just feel like I'm part of the group. So it started out fine. I was so mad. Started out, it started out fine. Um, you know, me and Danny were like little kids. We were just, we were so pumped to be even, be even in that arena doing that at our ages. You know what I mean? So we were like, you know, we went, like you said, we wouldn't listen to you. You would try to train us and tell us to slow down and walk. Yeah, I wanted them to do some run walking so they wouldn't wear out and they didn't listen to me. They didn't listen to anything I said. So I remember on that day, it was the, t- the 20 miler. And we we're like, okay, Kristen, we're going to listen to you this time. We're going we're gonna to be smart. We're going to listen to you. So I remember we were probably about, so we're, I think the plan was to, to um, run, I don't know, like 10 miles and then do the walk run, the, the, the back end of it, the back half of yes. it, something like that. Run, walk. Yeah. So I remember, and I remember we were about close to 10, 10 miles in and uh, it was me and Danny, we're, we're, you know, we're jogging together and you're way back there on a bicycle somewhere. I don't remember. And then we look over at each other, we're like, how do you feel? I feel fine. Well, she's still, maybe she's not paying attention. Maybe we should just keep going to see how far we can go. <laughs> so we, so we just kept running. Um, and then what happened? Well, I don't. I was. I don't know. I mean, uh-huh. I think we made it to. I don't remember how far. I was fine. I felt fine. I mean, I was in pain. Like my knees hurt and stuff. But I wanted to keep going. I think we finally stopped and did the walk run around. I don't know, 13, 14. It was like 14 or 15 miles, and you both all of a sudden were in hell agony. And I'm like, this isn't, this is weird because you were supposed to be 
pulling back. Danny yeah. was in more pain than Danny you, which is what got the whole issue me. started. Yeah, I think Danny. Yeah, so I mean, I I, I was fine. I, it was it was hard to to walk and run from me. I, like it was better if I had just kept going. Um, but yeah, he was in a lot worse shape than me, so I just decided to keep to go on ahead. Because um, at that point, you know, once once I got past past like the fifteen mile point or whatever, then I got I got another burst of energy, and I was just like really excited, and I'm just like, man, I made it this far, fifteen freaking miles. I'm going to keep going, man. I'm not even paying attention to the pain anymore at that point. So I was just pumped, and you know, like, and I could, it's like, it's like you can almost feel the home stretch from there. So I just got this extra burst of energy. So I decided to keep going. Um, and at that point, it was like I don't know what time of the day it was. It was probably like close to nine a.m. or so. I don't even remember. Yeah, it was like like eight thirty. It was hot. Yeah. So so Krista was. Uh, she was just going to go back and forth in between us, checking in on us. You know. I had the water. She had the water. So, so um, I don't remember what mile it was. I was that was probably like three or four miles from home, and uh, you know I, I just kept I just kept going, and then uh, you know she went to check on Danny because he you know he was in a little bit of pain, so I figured she'd just go back and check on him, give him some water, head right back to me. I didn't have any water, but you know I, I kept going, and, and then I got hot. It got really hot, and then I was I was past the point where I didn't see there was no water fountains anywhere, so I couldn't even stop for water. And then I remember, I'm like, where the heck is she? It's, it's, it's been like 20 minutes. Now it's been like 30 minutes. What, what's going on? Like, oh, there must be, there better be something wrong with Danny, man. There better be something wrong. <laughs> and I'm just like, I keep looking backwards and I don't see her. That I'm shaking my head. And then, you know, they're both chatty people. So when they get to talk and they're just, they get little chatterboxes together. So, so in my head, I'm just like, is, is she just like not paying attention to time? She's back there just chatting up with Danny over there while I'm just dying of thirst over here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just getting, getting myself all worked up. So finally, I make it all the way home. And I'm just like, man, I'm just like, storm upstairs. I'm like, get some water. I'm just pouting. And then I'm like, I'm just going to go out to the beach. I'm just going to show her. And I'm, I'm not even talking. I'm just going to go out to the beach. I was, being, I was being a big baby is what happened. I was just tired. And mm-hmm. so... Finally, I see. I get out to the, to the path, and then you come along, and I don't remember what happened. I said, "Don't talk to me" or something. I'm, I was mad. Or I yeah, I was like, "I'm so sorry. I I couldn't find you. I thought you were done, and Danny wasn't okay. And so by the time <laughs> I found out you were done, I'm so sorry. Um, I did, you know." And he was just like, "No, I was hot, and you had the water." And he was mad, and he's stomping around. And and I've said in my podcast when I talked about this before, there was there's tons of people on the beach path at this point. Tons. Everyone is waking up and walking their dogs. There's probably twenty people that can see and hear this fight. And finally, and I get upset because I was doing the best I can. Also, I was in pain because I was biking for twenty miles on a bad hip, and so I just lost it and I just screamed, "I am." a professional race Sherpa <laughs> and he just like threw his hands up and walked away I just threw my hands up walked to the beach and just I had to cool off <laughs> so uh, you know we made up it was fine everyone was just exhausted not being their yeah, best selves but I was but... just wondering what like people walking on the path when they just hear some lady scream I am not a professional race Sherpa like what the hell is a race Sherpa what's a Sherpa yeah, what is a Sherpa <laughs> yeah. so the training the training was was the most fun of the really the mm. whole process. Yeah. So then fast forward, we get to Athens, like no big deal. I mean, I have barely been outside of the country. Roy's done a lot more traveling than me, but just board the plane, head to Athens, get ready to run a marathon across the world. And this, if you're not familiar, 
the marathon in Athens is the path of the very first marathon run, they'll documented, from the town of Marathon into Athens. And it's uh, 26.2 miles. And the reason a marathon is 26.2 miles is because it's that um, distance between the town of Marathon and Athens. And the story is the guy who ran that the first time died. He ran it, delivered the message, and then died. And now we understand why. So, <laughs> so most marathon courses are curated. They're put together. They're beautiful. They're, they're, they're planned out. But this one, it's just this is the authentic marathon, the very first. And so you don't have any choices. Well, here's the problem. I don't know how to read an elevation map, and we were too excited to pay much attention. We knew there was like a hill and stuff. But whatever. We did some inclined runs. We just whatever. Like we have a beach path. Uh, Miami is very flat. It is what it is. It's going to be fine. Yeah, fine. So we got into Athens. We show up um, and get there to, to run the marathon. And um, it, it was all uphill. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, Danny, Danny got us the map of, uh, of what, what the inclines looked like. And I looked at it and, you know, I, I don't know how to read those things. But to me, it looked like, okay, maybe 20%. Looked like, to me, it looked like about 20% incline a little bit in the beginning of the race. Like, so I'm like, okay, that's not that big of a deal. So probably halfway into my training, I, uh, I decided just, I, I went on the treadmill and did some, did like some incline once a week, like a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I barely trained at all the last couple of weeks cause I was injured. So I was just like, well, whatever, I'm going to go and start and I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be able to finish, but I'm at least going to start. Mm. So that's all I did. But because it's, uh, uphill, it, it was horrible for my bad hip and my, my Achilles and um but we started off running Danny started off really strong he took off and then we decided to run together yeah and then when I had to start walking uh, yeah I want to go back to I want to go back to the beginning of that uh, race okay so I mean that was the that that was the most magical experience and and one thing that that um that Kristen mentioned to me afterwards that was the first thing that I noticed is like we're we're waiting the anticipation well, first of all, you, we got there and it was like freezing outside. So everyone's hovering around. They have like plastic bags on them. And we're like, we're all waiting for the, for the start. And just the anticipation was so exciting. I was so excited. Like, oh, man. I was like a little kid. I was so excited. Um, nervous, but excited and all that stuff. But I just remember we were waiting. They, got, they called our, our group up to the block. And when it was our time to go, I just started jogging. And it was silence. Nobody was talking, and all you could hear was thousands of feet. And it was like, I don't know how to describe that. It was like, it was like, a, it was like a bunch of like horses. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's it was, a beautiful sound. It's a beautiful, beautiful sound that I can hear clear as day in my head right now as I, as I tell them. That's something I didn't expect at all. That, and it was, it was amazing. So, um, that was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah, so Danny went ahead because, you know, he's like a little kid. So he's just so excited and pumped, and he went ahead. We, just, you know, we were taking it easy. We were just going on like a light jog. Um, uh, you know, we didn't want to overdo it. You know, we, I should have a bad hip. I have bad knees. So <laughs> we wanted to pace ourselves, and we, it's, it's a marathon, not a race. <laughs> when we started out, like, just it's such a big moment. All these people were in another country. We're finally running, and... Uh, we start, I remember we started our conversation just talking to each other and just said, you know, let's just talk about and, sh and swap things we're grateful for and all of the lies that we used to believe mm. that got us here. And it was so, I mean, it started out as very an emotional conversation. We were crying a lot in the beginning. Um, I remember just saying, I'm running away from every time that I 
didn't believe I was good enough. And I'm running away from everyone who thought that I would go backwards and fail. And I'm running away from the old me. It was really, it was really powerful. Yeah, that was powerful. Yeah, there were a lot of tears in the beginning of that. And then it went uphill, and then. Yeah, it was, I mean, you know, it wasn't like you used to think uphill, and you, you, it's like a slight incline. It doesn't. It's not like we're going over mountains and stuff like that. But it was a steady incline for probably I don't know 80 percent of that yeah. run. Yeah, it was like a hill that never resolved. Yeah. So when I had to start walking, because I was in agony. I mean, I was in pain. It was. It was. It was painful. It was the most pain I've ever really had that I knew I couldn't get out of and I had to endure for another however many hours. And um, I didn't want to hold Roy back, but uh, I remember I said something to you like, do you want to run? Because I can't, I can't anymore. Yeah. Um, well, no. So this is the thing. When, we'd st- when I stopped with you, um, I mean, at first I thought I could keep going, but I, I, man, I just, I didn't want to do that without you. Like this is such an epic journey for for me um you know and you 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 helped me get there and i and i i wanted to do that with you you know and i know we we talked back and forth about like if you know if i have to stop you know you got to keep going yeah we pinky swore that everyone was going to run their own race and not wait for each other but (laughs) i'm glad you didn't i'm glad i mean in my head i'm just like yeah you know what she's right you got to do it but i I didn't want to i didn't want to have to run ahead because i wanted to cross that finish line with you when we spent, we hadn't, we spent, it took us almost seven hours to run, run walk. Mm-hmm. And we talked the whole time and like kind of rehashed our relationship and really looked into our future. And it was really bonding. It was really, it's really powerful. Seven hours of talking. There was, you know, it was like never a dull moment. We talked about so much, but I, yeah, I, I do remember we, we probably ran, we probably ran maybe, I don't know. How far did you think we ran before we had to stop? We ran a little over halfway. A little over halfway. And then she had to stop. So I so I stopped with her to walk, and then, then I th- thought about starting up again. I'm like, and then my knees started killing me. I'm like, I can't do this either. Like, I can't, I can't run anymore. So we, so we had to walk the rest of the way. Um, but you know, uh, you know, like like you said, it, it wasn't the most scenic. It wasn't the most scenic um, trail at all. Like it was rural, and you know, out, and, you know, there was nothing out there. Just old. We could go through little towns, like little little um, poor towns and stuff like that. But what was so amazing about that for me was like as we're running, like right when you start to lose energy and momentum because, there, you know, like there's nothing to see out there. Yeah, it was really, really dismal. Yeah, really <laughs> dismal. There was nothing pretty about it, so nothing to really look forward to. So right when you start to lose energy, we'd come into these little towns and there's all these people, the townspeople, just lined up on either side of the street just che- cheering you on. I'm getting choked up just remembering this moment. It was so powerful. And uh, and then there would be all these all these kids along the route, and just like screaming and cheering us on with their hands out. And I would, and all of a sudden, I just get this burst of energy, and I'd run through, and I just I just slap them all in their hands as we walk, walked by, and it just oh man, it was just I just felt so much love and encouragement by people that I've never even you know halfway across the world that I've never even met before that were just encouraging these people they don't even know. And I, man, I can't tell you what I cannot tell you what that feels like. It's magic. It's it magic. Cheering on at a marathon is one of the most noble things you can do as a human. <laughs> yeah. Because people are in a pain cave, and that energy you get—it's—it's it's literal physical energy you get when someone's cheering on you and yelling at you. Sure. It's so amazing. Yeah, it was fun. The fun signs. So, what were the signs? What did they say? Do you remember? Um, I don't even remember that. There's. I don't know. Those really fun ones. Um, 
But yeah, the sun, we, when we started, it was dark or it was barely sunrise. And then mm-hmm. when we were heading toward the finish line, it was starting to be starting dusk. To <laughs> you know, was, so the one funny thing I remember, I remember talking about, um, you know, because we, we had to walk the last half of it. And then, we, you know, but then we started to, get to come to the towns and we're like, and then it, something inside me, I felt guilty. Like, I didn't want people to think that I was walking this whole way. So, so as soon as we start to come to these towns and I would start to jog or act like I'm more tired than I really was. So they would think that I've been running the whole time. Like they don't really care. Yeah. You totally start acting. <laughs> I was acting. Like, oh man, guys, no, I'm in pain. Really? I injured myself. Really? But they'd cheer and you'd be like, no, don't cheer for me. I'm a loser. I'm walking. <laughs> but fast forward, we got toward the end. And Danny had already finished, so he texted us and said, you guys are in for a treat. This finish line is, like, life-changing. Get ready to just be completely blown away. And he wasn't wrong. And what's funny is there's music blaring, and it wasn't playing when we entered the finish line. The finish line was in the Panolithic whatever stadium. I can't say it either. But essentially, it's the Olympic Stadium, like, and um, they had music blaring, and based on our conversation about our relationship through this, you know, these several hours, the song that was on was Love Isn't Always on Time. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that isn't perfect. And then it switched when we ran in. But yeah, yeah we started getting close and then the energy just changed. Yeah. Um, and just, I mean, just you guys, so like the last, the last few miles, even though we were walking, we were walking for so long that literally Every single step we took was excruciating pain. The last couple of miles, it was like so hard to take one step. Yes. Um, for the last couple of miles, and that's no joke. Um, so you know, we would just try to, you know, we talk to try to distract ourselves. But then, like, you know, once we we could feel it, we came into. I remember we could we came into this town. I'm like, I could feel it. This is the end. Like, there was just feel. It was this feeling about it. I don't know what it was. It was a feeling. And then we turned this corner, and you could. I just saw the corner of it peeking out, and you just got this burst of energy, like. I don't care how much pain we're in right now. We're we're running into that stadium. Yeah. So somehow we got we mustered energy and we just we ran and it hurt, but hand in hand, hand man. in hand, which is you know that's exactly how I wanted to do it. And oh man, crossing that finish line, just like that first day on that beach, the first day at boot camp, when. Everything passed before my eyes, my whole life. You know, they say like sometimes people say like when you're when you're dying, like sometimes your whole life will pass before your eyes, and that's kind of what it was what it was like when I on that first day on the beach and crossing that finish line. Like everything from when I was a little kid, every pain that I went through, every broken relationship, every love lost, every every death, everything that I've been through, like passed through my mind in a split second. And I, it, I just flooded with emotion. I, I just started bawling, and I couldn't believe I did that. I, I did that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was one of the most beautiful things I've seen. His face and just being there, and you could feel it. You could feel the energy, and then I could just feel his heart. Just his. It's the thing that attracted to me to him initially was how beautiful his heart is. And in that moment, it was just, it, it was one of the most purest things I've ever seen in my life. And all the pain was gone. And I just felt so honored I got to witness it. Uh, that, that was, it was beautiful. It was amazing. I was just honored that I got to cross that finish line with you. You showed me the door. Oh. I mean, you're right. I did. I did the work myself, but you showed me the door, and and uh, man, that was just, 
there's nothing more healing than pushing through something that, that you never thought you could push through and doing it. There's nothing more healing than that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, and you know, I in my situation, in my position, I'm a coach and I show people the door all day, every day. And there's a very few people who walk through it. And obviously romance and attraction helped maybe the boot on your butt. But, you know, I don't take credit because I didn't do any of the work. It's not hard to let a door swing open, um, but you did all the work. And that's why it's so magical in your life because you're not, it doesn't just happen. You're laboring for it and therefore it's even sweeter. So it was beautiful. We got our medals. We found Danny and then we proceeded to limp. We had to walk back. It was like, I don't know, four blocks to our VRBO. Longest four blocks of my life. Yeah. <laughs> be, be fit. Take care of your body. Run a marathon. And then we were hobbling. And I kept stopping to buy food because I was starving. And then like cute tchotchkes. And... I was getting so annoyed with you. Yeah, you know. <laughs> you could tell. Yeah, of course I could like, tell. This isn't the time to go through farmer's market. And go, <laughs> go, go window shop. They had nuts and they had food and they had little like golden headbands. And I wanted a golden headband. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so that was awesome and then uh we we got to finish our our trip in athens and it was um it was magical Amazing. and that was in november mm-hmm. so um fast forwarding to now so what happens is 75 hard got over we ran our marathon um and then we had the holidays and um we're really tempted to run another marathon especially because we had to walk half of this one well tell me how we Found this marathon. Oh, yeah, at the expo. At the expo for the Athens Marathon, we're walking around ready to run a marathon, have no idea how hard this is going to be. And all of a sudden we see, oh, there's a stand for the Rome Marathon. And Danny goes over and is like, hey, when's the Rome Marathon? And like it's in March. He's like, hey, guys, we should do it. You know, same type of thing. We got lots of time to train. And we're like, yeah, sure, we should do, we should do that. And then the day after the Athens Marathon, I was like, I ain't doing that stupid Rome Marathon. You can't pay me enough. That's the stupidest idea ever. I'm done forever. Nope, 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 nope. So we threw it away. Like, absolutely not. But it wasn't long before it's like, well, maybe it would be nice. Okay, I'm done. I don't need to do it. I really don't care to do it. But the thing about having a marathon that isn't what you expect, like I ran my first and I was in the porta potty and I barely finished. That really weighed on me, and that's why I did a second marathon because I really wanted to redeem the experience, which I did in 2019, and then I said I was done, and then now I just did Athens. But uh, Roy had the same feeling about Athens because of not being able to run the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean not to take away from that experience at all because it was nothing's ever going to match that experience. That was so magical. But, yeah, I did feel like... I did feel like I left a lot on the, on the table. Um, I I did think I was going to run a lot more than I did. I thought it was going to be faster. I didn't I didn't uh, anticipate all that incline. So you know I have bad knees. So I'm 49. I don't know how much how much more running I have in me. Even though I'm new at this, um, it takes a lot of toll. So yeah, I wanted I wanted to do it. I wanted to redeem myself and and see how much how much further I can push myself. So yeah. So we signed up. Um, it wasn't hard because flights to Rome are cheaper than flights to go to either one of our hometowns. Yeah. So we decided to jump uh, jump into it. So that's in March. But it became clear like right away, I, I'm not going to run the whole thing. My body falls apart when I run distances now. It's not in my heart to really do it. I signed up and I said, okay, I'm going to run half and walk half because this one's open to walkers. So 
you can literally walk the whole thing. But I told Roy, I'm like, that means that you, if for you to run the race that you want to run, you're going to have to train alone, which you hadn't really done before. And that's, I mean, that's a different animal. It's a totally different animal. And so I remember at first you were like, no, man, I want to do it with you. And I'm like, no, no, because when, when I train at all, I'm going to run walk. And not to mention Roy is tall. I keep saying that. I love that about you. But I'm 5'9", you're 6'2", and he's lean, 6'3". You're lean and lanky, and you're a natural runner. We don't even know how fast you could go once you open it up. And I know that I'm not going to run more than a 10-minute mile between now and the time I die. So, I, you know, you have to train by yourself. And then I kind of set it down, and I haven't really trained... And then at the end of the year, we go to home for the holidays, we're eating stuff, we get out of our routine, we come back home, and it's kind of like, all right, new year, what? Yeah, well, go back to the, to the holidays thing. Like, yeah, you know, after the, so after the marathon was over and then 75 hard was over, I just kind of feel like I, I, like I fell off the, off the tracks, you know, and I started feeling gross, feeling crappy about myself, getting in my head again. Drinking too much beer in the bathtub. Drinking too much beer in the bath. Well, that's the thing. Like, like once you do 75 hard and, and you, um, you take away a lot of those vices and all that stuff, once it's over, it's like, oh, it's like this rebellion sets in um, and you just you go overboard with everything like, and I wasn't the beer thing wasn't as hard for me. It was the sugar, man. I didn't expect the sugar to be a, be an issue, but I was just shoveling anything I could into my pie hole, like anything. Yeah, when we were in Minnesota, we ate a lot of sugar. Yeah. And the last week that we were there, we decided to go to the gym every day and run a five k every day mm-hmm. to just like get back to business. And I think it was the second day of that we were on the treadmill, and I was like, Roy, I feel like crap. I have we have to stop the sugar. I can't do this. I normally don't eat sugar. It makes me sick. And so we reached over on the treadmills and we pinky swore no more sugar. So then we went home. We got ready to go uh, on a road trip to Iowa for the day to see my relatives. So my brother, my son, Roy and me were in the car. We stop at a gas station to get coffee. I go in the bathroom. I come out. There's Roy with a donut in his mouth. Not just in his hand. A gas station donut. A gas station donut. I'm like, oh! liar and he's like it's so good it was really good but you know you know how i made that made it you know how i explained that to myself i was like well you know you are going to train for another marathon you need the carbs yeah lizard brain lies so of course (laughs) i'm like my lizard brain's like hey if he can you can he broke the pinky swear so then i had a donut (laughs) and then i sat in the back seat and tried all of steven's candy so it was it was tough once that sugar gets in your blood it's hard to get it out Mm. um so that's how we ended the year yeah that's how we ended the year and then yeah, I don't know. I started getting like sad and stuff after that. Like I just felt like like I kind of like lost the spark, and I was like scared because I'm like, was that like a one time thing? Am I gonna am I gonna lose this now? Now what am I fighting for? Like I had something, I had a goal, I had something to fight for, fight towards, and now that's over. So now what? Um. So yeah, that, that that's the part, the hard part is the grind in between that stuff. The the grind in between when you when you finish something. To keep the momentum going is the hard part, man. Yeah, making things consistent. So this past week, it was super duper cold. <laughs> and well, and so Roy had said like he had made a training plan for himself to run. And I said, you know, I'm not doing that plan. I'm going to I'm gonna kind of do my own thing and you're going to have to run. And he's like, okay. But his first, your first long run was this past weekend. It was super cold. So setting the stage for Miami, it was super cold. It was like 45 degrees in the morning. And we run boot camp at 730. So when we do long runs on the weekend, we got to get up super early. Yeah. 
And so, and I kept saying, you know, just do it when it warms up, maybe do it on Monday because it's, it's cold and he was having none of it. So, yeah. uh, sat this past Saturday morning, um, I woke up, he was already up and ready to go run. I went to lift and came back and he was in the kitchen sobbing hmm. and I was like, what happened? And he just got back from his run. Yeah. You know, part of, part of the, um, the first marathon training was amazing with, with, uh, Kristen and, and Danny. It's a great bonding thing, but it was also like, I needed that. Like, I, I don't think I could have done it by myself without them there and without that distraction. And just to be with me in my own space, in my own head, I did not think I could do that. So when this time came around, you know, and this being my last marathon, hopefully, you know, I want to do it the right way. I, I, I don't want to make excuses. I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to not make excuses like, well, you can't do this because of this. And this is one of those things where like, you tell yourself that you can't do this run unless you have Kristen there or Danny there or some kind of distraction like that. But that's what you're trying to fight against. You're trying to, it's you against you and you're trying to learn how to do things by yourself and, and be your own hero. And, and uh, so that's what I, so I finally decided to, to um, I, I finally decided to convince myself, you know, you got to do this on your own. This has to be your journey. Um, you know, and I, so I wanted to run by myself because I didn't think I could do that. And I wanted, I want to push past that limit again. So, yeah, so my first long run, um, you know, post-marathon was a 10-miler, and it was 42 degrees outside. But, yeah, and some people think that's not that cold, but here it's cold because it's, it's, it's 42 degrees, but you also got this, like, a sideways hard wind right in your face the whole time. When you're by the water. When you're by the water. So the windshield factor is a lot different there. It's a whole different animal. I didn't really think about it. So, like, I just went out like how I normally do. With, like, and it's like, I think I went out to like 4 45, 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't remember exactly, but it was around that time when I started the run. Um, but, uh, you know, that was going to be another mental hurdle. So, every time I do something, it's one more mental hurdle that I haven't done before. So, this is one of those. So, okay, this is going to be your first run by yourself. So, it's going to be tough, but you got to do it, man. You got to push through the hard things. Um, so, I just went out like how I normally do with a tank top on and shorts. <laughs> So I get out there and I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> so I start jogging. I don't even get a quarter of a mile down and I'm and I was freezing my butt off. I couldn't feel my fingers. My fingers were numb. Like literally, they're stinging and numb. And I that's one of those times when I had to have some tough conversations with myself in my head. You know, I kept telling myself, you know what? Okay, if it gets too hard down the road, you can just take an Uber back. You know, she's, Kristen's gone. She's not even going to know. She's not even going to know that you didn't do it. That's, these are the conversations I'm having with myself in my head. Um, maybe she just turn back and get a, get a hoodie or whatever and try it. But, you know, I already started. I don't want to turn back. So I had to have these conversations with myself, you know, a few times. And finally, I just pushed through. And one of the things that every time something gets hard for me, like I tell myself, do the hard things. This is one of those hard things. If, if you're not going to go backwards and be who you were before, you have to do the hard things. You've never done the hard things before. You've always skated in life. You've always looked for the easy way out. That's not who you are anymore. So I have to tell myself that because I don't always believe that. Even now, I don't believe that all the time. So that was one of those moments. So I had to, I had to push myself and I had to say, nope, you're going to do this. I don't care how cold you are. I don't care if you can't feel your fingers. You're going to go the 10 miles. So I did, and it was hard. It was hard. The first half was the hardest. I mean, eventually, it, 
after like a couple of miles, your body warms up a little bit and it, you know, it's still cold and uncomfortable, but it's not, your body's not as bad, but, but, um, my hands were numb the whole time. You know, I remember, I remember like trying to <coughs> reach into my fanny pack. Yeah. I said fanny pack. <laughs> um, Belly bag, <laughs> man bag, <laughs> um, to uh, to pull out one of my energy blocks, and I couldn't even get into the bag because I could not feel my fingers to pull them out. When I did, they were like hard as a rock almost because they were so cold. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I got, I did it. I went down to to South Beach, which is just about five miles. That's the hardest part. The first half is the hardest. Once I get to that point, I know I'm turning around. It's a little easier. You get over that hump of, of the, um, the, the first half. You're like, you just did five miles in this, free, in this freezing-ass cold. You, you know, okay, it's, it's, you're the, it's the final stretch now. Um, turning, turning around, I got a little more energy. The slowly, the sky starts to brighten up. Oh, when I get down there, those lights, you know, the lights on those trees, those palm trees. Yeah. Oh, it was magical. Um, I feel like I'm ranting, but, um, I, you know, I'm listening to songs on, on my earbuds, that's kind of how I help to pass the time. And one thing that you've always taught me, one, one thing that, I, that, I've, that I've taken from you, you know, all these love songs that, that we've listened to over the years when we go through breakups or pain and this and that, and we listen to them over and over again to torture ourselves, you helped me to see them differently. Like, so you, you told me one time to, to change the narrative of these songs and instead of, singing these, instead of thinking of these songs as singing to the, the person who broke your heart or this and that or, or reverse, you're singing it to yourself. Like you're singing this song to yourself. So I did that in all these songs and it, it, it's so healing. Like I, I, don't know, I don't even remember some of these songs, but all these songs, it just it took the power back from all that stuff and it gave me the power that I'm the one healing myself. You know, I'm fighting for myself. I'm not fighting for for you or you know a past love or anything like that. I'm fighting for myself. I'm healing myself. So that was getting me through that. And when I got to that halfway point, I turned around. I'm like, you didn't stop. You didn't have to stop one time. You didn't take a freaking Uber back. You're freezing your ass off. You're it's you're you're gold. So I so I'm like, you did this. Like back, going back is going to be easier because you know you know you're on the final stretch. So I start going back. And then this, this, the sky starts to brighten up just a little bit. You can almost feel the sunrise is about to come up. And then you just get that extra burst of energy. And, okay, so you just, five's done. Okay, you got to six miles. Okay, you only have four left. You know, how, you know how fast a mile goes? You pick up a little more speed. All of a sudden, the sun starts to come up a little bit more. And I remember, what song was that? It was a Coldplay song that came up. Um, fix You. You know that song, I Will Fix You? Yeah. Lights will guide you. Yeah, so that song to me, whenever, whenever, whenever I used to listen to that song, you know, I, I was I was really broken and raw when you first met me, and as you know, you know, I, I went through some really really hard stuff. Um, and that song, you know, before that narrative was always me trying to fix somebody else or trying to, you know, trying to help someone to love me by f- fixing them and their problems and all their stuff. So that's how I always saw that song before. So for the first time, that song was coming, I was, I was probably about two miles out. And all of a sudden, that song came on, and it was me singing to me, like, I will fix you. I will, I will fix little Roy. 
and it said lights will guide you. And I remember turning the corner right as I was sitting, I saw, I saw the crown of our building off in the distance and the lights on the top of that. It said lights will guide you, right? And in that moment, I'm like, I'm going home. <laughs> that's home. And that's what pushed me through, man. And it's just, there's been so many moments like that on this journey for me. So many. And it's true. You are fixing you. That's what, that's what the struggle is, is us all fixing our own hurts and mm-hmm. healing. When we look to other people to do that, they can hold us while we do it. But that song is beautiful. Lights will guide me home and yeah. I will fix you. And that's what you were doing. And when you were in the kitchen crying after that run, telling me and Melissa that story, it was just so powerful. The whole world needs to hear that message. That when you show up for yourself in that way and are willing to sit in the hard on purpose when it's not forced on you, that's how you fix it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, You know, my whole life, I was always so scared to look inside and all the pain I've been through. So instead of doing that, I fixated on other people and trying to get them to love me or trying to fix their problems. So it's, it's a distraction. And I've never once, this is the first time I've ever tried to fix me and tried to love me. And that's, man, it's so powerful. It is. And that run by yourself too, like that encouraging yourself, you know, the whole, oh, only four miles left. You know how fast that goes. That's the skill you develop when you do hard things by yourself too. Yeah. Encouraging yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I ran to a neighbor, like even today I just did a six mile run, which is now was kind of even another milestone for me. It's a shorter run, but, you know, it was outside in the daytime it's hot outside. You don't have a Sherpa. I don't have a, sh- a professional Sherpa with me to, to give me water. I didn't bring water with me because I didn't want the extra weight <laughs> to carry. <laughs> but it was hot. And it was just like, that was just another one of those milestones. And so I ran into a neighbor and he's like, man, don't you get bored out there? Like, how, do you go, how do you keep doing that? I'm like, you got to come up with little milestones. Like, and you're, like mental, it's a mental game. And like, I'm like, okay, so... As I'm listening to my song, like one of the things I do is I'm like counting how many songs it takes to get through a mile, yes. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I count when I get kind of close to them, I count how many buildings are left until I get home, like just stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I think every runner has a mental game they play. I do math in my head because it's really hard to do math in your head while you're running. And so it's really extra hard. Nice. I also plan workouts and um, I write podcast episodes. Do you? <laughs> yeah. But... Well, it's beautiful. And I, you know, I, and I posted on my Instagram the other day too. I was, we got done lifting and he hit the treadmill for his six miler and he's watching the sunrise on the treadmill. And, um, again, where I sit as a coach, I listen to people all the time and I, I hear the excuses. The excuse machine is the most powerful machine in this entire world. And people buy the excuse machine printouts, by the ton. And so I hear excuses all the time. I'm too old. It's too late. I've never done that. It's too hard. I don't have time. And I'm looking at Roy, who is 49, who never did anything for his body up until the time he moved here, who has decided to change his life. He came here and he had a choice. He could have like met this girl, me, have this great boot camp experience, whatever, go home and be like, yeah, I'm not moving to Miami. I mean, nobody said, nobody told him he had to move to Miami. I'm not telling anybody they have to move across the country. But it was a choice to say, I'm going to go find out what's here. I'm going to take a risk and, and try something new and embrace a new way of living. Worst case scenario, I come back home. But you don't have to do any of that. And 
and to be 49 and to embrace a whole new lifestyle, a whole new way of life and say, it's not too late. Um, it was just so, for me, it's just this huge example of this is actually what's possible. It's not too late. You're not too old. If you decide that you want something, you 100% can have it. And the grit that I've seen in you, it's not new. It's always been there. You just have never seen it before. And so when you start to to peel back the onion and find your power, it's not that you're putting it there. You're discovering what has always been there. And it's like the never ending onion. There is never an end to the layers. You're going to find more and more. And so for me, obviously I love you. I'm biased, but the ultimate example of there is no can't, there is no, there, is, there are no obstacles. And, um, I've been posting it on uh, social media, but we ran out of the, I have a daily tear off calendar of inspirational quotes from um, John Gary Bishop, who wrote, you can un-F yourself. And I forgot to buy a new one. And so when we got back from the holidays, I was like, let's just write our own, you know, just come up with a quote. So we started doing it and I was keeping track of it in my notes. And the wisdom and the insight and the power that Roy comes with up with every single time from his daily life is amazing. It's amazing because when you invest in yourself, all of a sudden you become your own inspiration. Mm -hmm. You don't have to look outside for inspiration. You become your own motivator, your own inspiration with or without a girlfriend like Kristen, with or without a coach. When you decide, there's, the sky's the limit for everybody. The sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. Is there anything else that you want to say because we're about done? Um. No, I mean it's just this is just the beginning for me. I, uh, my story is just beginning to to be written, and I'm I'm just, I'm just so excited to see see what's next. Me too. First up, uh, Rome, the Rome Marathon in March. I'm gonna run walk. Roy and Danny are gonna run it, so you'll have to. We'll keep you posted here on the podcast, and hopefully, this is the first of many times when Roy is on here. I really see, uh, you know, my story of transformation is my body. I lost a bunch of weight and all of that, right? But Roy's story of transformation is um, actually something that absolutely every single human can relate to. Not everybody has been obese, but every single human can can recognize a period of time when they were stuck and had to pull themselves up and start over. And um, it's really cool to get to have a front row seat to a really hot, tall man <laughs> doing all of these things. Thanks for being on the podcast. By the way, he did have a choice. I, I feel like people think that I'm just like a trainer and I've just got a boyfriend. I whip him into shape, make him run, make him lift, and now make him be on my podcast. Could you please state that you feel safe at home and that uh, I don't make you do anything? I feel safe at home. <laughs> no, she didn't make me do it. This is all, this is all me. <laughs> Thanks a lot. All right, that's all we have for you. Say goodbye, Roy. Goodbye. And Gustavo says goodbye too. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. If you want to interact with me, go ahead and send me an email, Kristen at kristensmithonline.com. Follow me on Instagram, The Kristen Experience, and make sure you share this podcast with a friend. That's all I have for you today. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next time here on Destination Begin.